I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. My choice, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. Hi, it's Jerry the King Lawler, and you're tuned in to the Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. I don't know why you are, but you are. Amazing, says some guy. These men have changed broadcasting forever. The Don Tony and Kevin Castle Show. Oh, yeah, you know, just, uh, oh, no, I can't afford Skype. I'm talking about the, the, the baseball analogy. Oh, uh, yeah, come on, you think I, well, yucky, God, I don't speak Japan, and you f***ing people. Oh, yeah, you know, just, uh, f*** you, DT. Batista's pretty f***ing sexy, and, uh, did I mention Roman Reigns gives me a boner, and, uh, yeah, um, uh, 1980s baseball and wrestling was better than anything else. <laughs> DonTony.com up everybody june 15th 2020 uh eight more days and i'll be on vacation what's up don tony and kevin castle show i am don tony as always and join along with me as always is kev castle what's up uh you like that 90 second unsanctioned match uh, yeah, I understand Christian is no longer with us, but that meeting no longer wrestling anymore. You know, you know what's funny about that segment? Um, the paramedic that's in the ring. I mean, did he win like some charity auction or something? He looked like he was 14 years old. And they're just like hmm. holding edge and holding edge. And meanwhile, you got the real paramedics on the side with the stretcher. And you got these two goofs with black pants and black WWE t-shirts. And the guy looked like he was 14 years old. And he's, you know, just gently holding Christian's neck. And man, I, I mean, come on. I, 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 the guy doesn't even look like he graduated junior high school yet. And he's fucking, oh, give me a break. Give me a break. You know, look, I'm not going to criticize the beginning of the Bruce Pritchard Monday Night Raw era. You know, because, you know, I, the first two hours of Raw tonight, we had a total of 12 minutes of wrestling. That's 120 minutes of show. We had 12 minutes of wrestling. Wow, Three of those four matches didn't even go two and a half minutes. I hate to break it to everyone out there, but if you look at last year, before COVID, Paul Heyman was doing the very same thing. The one thing that Bruce Pritchard did tonight, other than bringing those fucking goddamn Iconics out for two talking segments, we don't... Wow. 
one is not iconic enough. We need two, two. Yeah. But, um, you know, the one thing he did tonight, yeah, Austin, Kinkle, yeah, they go away heat. They've been go away heat for a long time, man. Oh, I, yeah. Again, you know, Peyton Royce, decent, not bad. Billy Kay, go back. Again, I don't have this personal vendetta against her. She never turned me down. I had never tweet fucked her. You know, it's just go back and watch tonight's match and just focus the camera on Billy Kay. I mean, it's just, it's the drizzling shits. But um, the one thing that I liked that Bruce Pritchard did tonight, that if you really think about it, Paul Heyman never really did this much at all. Granted, the payoff was two minutes of hot garbage. What, but what Bruce Pritchard used to do so often is they would tease something for later on in the night where the wrestler would give their answer. Can't tell you how many times they did that with Austin, how many times they did that with Cena, how many times they've done that in years past. And if you actually look for the last year or two, I remember one time where Becky Lynch was sitting on a chair in the back with her with her palm on her hand, pondering something stupid, you know? And I remember like we were waiting all night for her to make a decision. And I think it ended up being the lowest rated Raw in the history of, of Monday Night Raw, or one of the lowest. But, yeah. um, you know, I like the idea of us for two hours thinking, holy shit, Christian is going to get back in the ring. Yeah, yeah, it's unsanctioned. Yeah, you know he can't do much and WWE's not going to allow much. But to give that cliffhanger for a while, and they didn't even wait until 1055 for Christian to give his answer. Christian said earlier, yeah, I'm going to do this. But, um, you know, when you look at the clock and it's already 1055 and Christian's music is playing, you're like, all right, two minutes yeah. and we're out of here. Another two minute segment and we're gone. But uh, overall, what Raw tonight, what'd you think of it? I liked it better than the pay-per-view last night. I liked I liked it a little bit better. You gave the pay-per-view um, a seven yesterday. So yeah, this was better yeah. than a seven? A little, seven and a half. Seven wow, and half. you gave it a seven and a half? No, no, no. Oh, tonight, you gave it a seven. seven. Yeah. Okay. All right, look. Um, I, I'm not saying it, it, it was bad. No, it kept my interest because, like of what you said, it kicked off with Christian possibly seeing a return to the ring after, what, six years? So that right off the bat kept my interest. Uh, then they, you know, like you know, they had uh, the Oscar and, and, and Nia Jax match, which we can get. You know, we'll get into things in chronological order, but we'll bounce around a little bit. But uh, you know, the matches, the, the matchups are pretty good. But now I realize what you're saying. I guess it's smoke and mirrors, and it got to me because if you're correct on that, you said we had 12 minutes of wrestling and how long? Two hours? A two-hour period? What did you say? First two hours, we had 12 minutes, um, 12 minutes of wrestling. Yeah, I mean, again. It, I, you're probably right, but a lot of people are probably saying, wow, I didn't realize that because the smoke and mirrors, you're watching the product and you see all these people coming out and these matchups, which are pretty decent on paper. But you're right, it was a lot of uh, a lot of talking and a lot of rambling, a lot of backstage stuff with Charlie, and you put it all together and there's your program. But you're right, uh, there wasn't a lot of uh, matches. There was A lot of people were on TV tonight, but it opened up strong. I said, wow, this is a great main event, and I knew Oscar and Nia were having a match tonight, so I was kind of looking forward to that because I – wasn't crazy about the match last night. Um, and then, you know, you had uh, MVP and Lashley teamed up to go against Drew and R-Truth. We'll get, like I said, we'll get into all that. But overall, um, I liked it better than the Raws of recent. The last couple of weeks I have hated Raw, you know, thoroughly. Uh, tonight I was somewhat entertained here and there. I didn't understand the Iconics getting all the TV time. 
like you said, there was some things that didn't make a lot of sense to me. And you could tell it is now the era of Bruce. You could kind of tell uh, there was a change tonight in the air. Oh, you know, I mean, we had ninjas. Ninjas, yeah. We we had, had, uh, oh, by the way, DT, the, the, the guy was that guy. Yeah, what was that his figure, name again? Yeah. Uh, Jordan. Jordan, I can't pronounce his last name. Anybody remember his last name? The seven foot three guy. I know it. Uh, o- Omad Bahim. Omad, yeah, I can't pronounce. Him. And by the way, you know, I I did some re- refresher because I remember covering covering this last year, and I did a little refresher when he signed with WWE, and I actually spent a decent amount of time today on YouTube to see what he can actually do. And he's been um, having matches for about seven or eight months now. He was signed in 2018. And for everybody uh, on video right now, I can't even put the small box on here. Look at this fucking class. This is the class that was with Jordan Omagbehin. And, and the reason why I know how to pronounce his last name is I actually have a customer that's oh, okay. the same nationality, same heritage, and his last name is Ogegbunam. So it's almost the same same thing. But um, he's Nigerian. It, it, excuse me. He's Nigerian. Your customer. Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, this class, when he was signed from left to right, is Umberto Carillo. You mm-hmm. have Mia Yim, Chelsea Green. Matt Riddle, Daniel Vidot, obviously Jordan, Omag Bahin, and Damian Priest. Think about that. Damian Priest, Matt Riddle, Chelsea Green, Mia Yim, Umberto Carrillo, and David Vidot. Good class. I mean, that is a strong fucking signing. Yeah, it's very strong. I mean, you know, this, look, I'm a big supporter of AEW. I'm a supporter of all the shows out there, all the feds out there. When you look at something like this, I say to myself, my God, you look at the caliber of that talent, all signed at one time, and you look at some of these other feds out there and you're saying to yourself, how do you, you know, granted, at the end of the day, it's the wrestler's decision, but how do you pass up a lot of these names and yes i know you know the history with chelsea green and others but the point is they're there for the taking and not only did wwe snatch them all up that photo of them from the performance center was from two plus years ago that's before they all fucking got their you know their their feet not only through the door but wwe nxt and some of the you know bigger names out there, that's a that's impressive, man. And even Daniel Vidal, we really haven't seen much of him so very very much lately. He lost to Sheamus in April. Some people may remember I was joking, Bell Biv Vidal. Now you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's the same guy. But um, he's now the last one. I mean, and arguably, I ask everybody this: just spur in a moment. I was thinking about this. You look at this crop in this class, and then you think about the first Nexus. You know, Daniel Bryan, obviously, but Daniel Bryan got fired shortly thereafter. So if you put Daniel Bryan aside, and you remember the first Nexus, which is more impressive to you? The first Nexus team or this? It's pretty fucking good. I would say this. I would say these guys, because you had what's Heath Slater, and you had... uh, 
Uh, who else did you have? Ryback. What was it? Yeah, Skip, Darren uh, Young. Um, yeah. Who was the other guy that got fired very quickly? Um, Michael, Michael something. Michael Tarver. Uh, Michael Tarver. Yeah, no, I would definitely, you know, you look at Riddle, going to be a big star. Me, him, main roster bound probably. Uh, Damian Priest, super, within a year will be a main roster superstar. No, I think that this is much, this guy, you know, seven foot three, they haven't had a legit athlete. Hopefully this guy's successful. You know, Giants in the past haven't worked out. Um, but no, I think this is uh, more impressive. It's, uh, I just think it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, you got more, um, who is the guy that wore the, like the, the pink glasses? Oh, uh, he did commentating for WWE for a little while as well. I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah. Yeah. What was the name of that guy who did? Oh, Percy Watson, Percy Watson, Percy Watson. Yes. So Justin Gabriel, Justin Justin Gabriel was fucking great too. Yeah. Still in the business, right? He went on to change his name and be in Lucha Underground and stuff like that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, well, uh, Barrett was supposed to, I mean, David Otunga, Wade Barrett. Yeah. Yeah. David Otunga. But a lot of those guys just kind of, you know, either went by the wayside or became enhancement talent, uh, with the exception of course, of Daniel Bryan who went on to become, you know, he's a hall of famer at this point. Yeah. But if you overall, I think this is a stronger class. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a, it's, it's interesting. It's very interesting. Like I completely forgot the group that he was with when they first signed. And I'm like, man, you know, I'm not going to compare it to OVW, but everybody always goes back to OVW when you had Randy Orton, when you had John Cena, when you had Batista, you know, and you go down the line and that group, yeah, Lesnar also, that group obviously is, you know, 50 times better than these guys because they, you know, they, their their career, you know, speaks for itself. But you look at this, and you don't see, like, and I don't even, I, I, you know what, I won't even say, like, who's the weak link in this group. But there's not one person in that group. You know, and again, Vidot has got to, obviously, he's the last one to really start, you know, taking it to the yeah. next level. But that's pretty fucking impressive, man. It is a good, yeah. so, like, good and, life of talent. And you know what? If anybody looks at Jordan's work, on YouTube, you got to understand he is seven foot three, legit seven three. Great Collie yeah. was seven one, so he arguably, you know, Andre. They always said seven four. You know, I'm not sure if he yeah. was seven four. Hogan, they always said what was it six ten? No, six eleven. No, no six. No, they always said no. They always said six foot nine. It was six, six foot, foot nine, nine, and then he went to WCW and it was six eight. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. And, and now he was, he's about six five. Now he's about six five. With yeah, he's about six five. Just think about that. Hulk Hogan is only one inch taller than me. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And and I still say it to this day. You know, I remember when I when the first group of Tough Enough went to one of Frank Goodman's shows, and we were hanging out with Miz and everybody else, and they were just very respectful, saying hello to everybody. And I remember standing next to Jonathan Coachman. And I was just like, holy shit, he is much taller than I ever envisioned. It was just, a, and I was so blown away, you know, from remembering that night, how tall that guy was in in person compared to what you saw on TV. I was very surprised, but. Um, yeah, Coachman, uh, Coachman played basketball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Elegante was built at uh, seven foot six, uh, DDMMM. Elegante yeah, yeah, ball. but, you know, yeah. he, he did put it this way. This guy, Jordan, is definitely much more agile than El Gigante, uh, Giant Gonzalez. But um, you, saw, uh, you saw clips of his work. What would you think of uh, Well, you know what it is? 
he's you got he's being used like a giant. You know what I mean? Like claw holds to the head, body slams, like one move things, a kick, a punch. You know, you're not going to get like a, a big storytelling chain, re, you know, I don't want to say chain wrestling, but it's all power moves. It's all one-sided. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him on the main roster. If he's just going to be the bodyguard for Tazawa for now, but... um you know, he, I will say this, if you look around, he's got a, a nice fan following. Like you don't see much of, wow, this guy sucks. What a yeah. fucking, this is great Kali reincarnate. You don't see any of that. You get one or two assholes here and there, but for the most part, people actually give this guy a lot of positive review. So yeah, we'll see what he does. We'll yeah, see what I'm he looking does. at some stuff now. I mean, he's been on the circuit for what two years now? WWE NXT. Was well, he started ago. having matches about seven, eight months ago. Oh, is that okay? Yeah, so well, it's not long. It's right before the end of the year, last year. And with COVID, they're not doing house shows. They're not sure. touring anywhere. So he really hasn't done all that much in the last four months. So he really only started breaking his cherry in the ring for maybe three months. What do you think, DT, is this a temporary little bullshit thing that he's doing with Hazawa, or do you think this is going to be a faction? I have no idea. Yeah. I have no sure idea. People I mean, ask, I have, no, I have no idea. I was thinking about the pay-per-view last night, and I was having some fun doing trivia early with Julian and John Krauser, and, and I forget the other gentleman's name, but we were talking about last night, and I started thinking about it. And when they were doing this segment with the Viking Raiders and the Street Profits, um, what I would have changed from yesterday, besides the fucking garbage creature that was in the bin with them, what they should have done, because the package, the video package leading up to what we thought was going to be a match already showed their competitions with bowling and all this other stuff. So there was really no need for them to have flashbacks of something that we were just reminded of before, you know, everything started. What I, in hindsight, think they should have done was when they were knocked, you know, like uh, knock silly, they should have thought back to those segments, but they should have recorded alternates. And what I mean by that is it's, it's, uh, Eric, it's Ivar, who everybody thought was cute. So when Eric was woozy yesterday, Eric should have had a smile on his face and they should have flashed back with all the women. But the, instead of them saying that Ivar is cute and him not so much, he should have, when he was knocked silly, looked back and you have all the women saying, Eric, you're so cute. Ivar, not so much. You know, like, do a reverse. You could have had, you know, even Ivar looking back and he's fucking slam ducking and he's shooting hoops and he's bowling strikes one after the other. They should have went back and had flashbacks and it's the complete opposite of what we saw on TV. That's what I wish they would have done. Yeah, I agree. So, eh, what are we going to do? Now, a couple other things. Um, Edge did, uh, in fact, tear his tricep. Um, <clears throat> nobody knows the exact moment where it happened. I said yesterday where I thought it was. And everyone, if you did not check out our backlash recap, it is available. So go check it out. We're not going to bring up this, the, the pay-per-view again. But um, 
Edge did have the tricep surgery. And uh, Randy Orton, you know, his you know, diagnosis is a little bit different. He said that Edge will be recovered in about nine years. Uh, but, you know, there's different, you know, there's different tears. I mean, they, they still got to, you know, attach it back to the bone. You know, and they, they will attach it. So I don't want to compare like a rubber band. When I tore my bicep, you know, they actually showed me a video of what they were going to do. And what they actually do is they attach, they don't reattach. I mean, maybe for him it's different because he's a pro wrestler and he lifts and all that. But for me, they didn't attach my tendon back to the bone. What they did was they attached it to almost like, I don't want to say it's a rubber band, but it's almost like a rubber band. They attach it to that, yeah. and then that gets attached to the bone. So it actually, you know, it's like a, a medium. And I always worried that if I lifted too much, that maybe my tendon detaches from whatever this band was. You know, people could go on YouTube and you could see what these surgeries are. But people out there saying, oh, it's four months, it's six months, it's nine months, they don't know. They don't know. They're just Googling tricep surgery and they're trying to guess. The people with the WWE sources say, and our sources are telling us he will be out, you know, six to nine months. You know, it, 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 those are guesstimates. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with his recovery. Now, Edge had posted a little uh, message online before we saw in the match yesterday. And, you know, when he wrote what he wrote, you know, he was very passionate about what he said. And this obviously was written after the match was done, after he knew he tore his tricep. So, you know, he really, you know, just built up this match. I think Edge and Randy Orton should be very proud for what they did yesterday. You know, the, the other stuff that happened, you know, and one other thing that did happen that I did not notice until after we were done with the show did you see the little clip that i posted on twitter of samoa joe i didn't see it no okay there's a clip i wanted to play it here but okay. i know other podcasters out there have been hit with copyright flags for posting even a couple of seconds of wwe footage this is not something i think wwe would say hey go ahead you could post okay. it. So I'm not taking the chance. But for anyone out there, if you go on my Twitter, at Don Tony D, there's a part during the match yesterday where Samoa Joe was, you know, calling the match and talking about, you know, the Christian and how his mind may tell him to go, you know, to go and his, and his, you know, his heart may tell him to go, but his body, it's a whole different thing. And while Samoa Joe is saying this, the camera kind of like shifts over the Samoa Joe and Samoa Joe's lips are not moving at all. So it was, it, so I wrote, you know, he's the greatest wrestling ventriloquist in the, in the world. Oh, I see. Okay. But, um, you know, for people out there, you know, I actually did this last week. You know, there's always a possibility that Samoa Joe really was talking yesterday and he's just good with his lips because if people remember, yeah, you know, I'll give you an example right now that I could actually do that as well. Look, I I'll do it right now for everybody. I am Don Tony, and you're not. <laughs> I, I think I move my lips very, very little. Um, in fact, just to show everybody how talented I am, 
I'll actually say something while I'm drinking a soda. Seriously. So I'm, I think Samoa Joe may actually have been talking yesterday. But here, I, I, look, you could see it's real soda. I'm going to look right now. I'm going to do it. Ready? Watch. Okay. I am Don Tony. And you're not. <laughs> see? It's not bad. Um, you know? I, nah. I, obviously, it's a sound, sound bite. See? I am Don Tony. And you're not. <laughs> it's fucking funny. You go to my Twitter. I knocked a point off of, off of my rating of the pay-per-view yesterday after that. Because you had the three fucking announcers sitting there, you know, at some points looking like the three stooges, you know, just sitting there doing nothing. And what they did was they did two and three takes of certain parts of the match. And they fucking mixed it together, but they didn't fucking mix the comment. They they tried to take the commentary from one take and put it on another take. Yeah, that is careless. That is unacceptable for WWE levels. Siri, I know it's nitpicking to a certain extent, but when you you remember about a month and a half ago. I actually pointed out to everyone, if you look at the fucking commentary on Raw and you look at them, they're just looking down and they're saying nothing. But meanwhile, you hear their voices. And then there was another time where not only did they take a cigarette break, but the announcer's table took a cigarette break too because it just disappeared. That is careless. There's no excuse for that. But go out of your way to look at my Twitter and look at the video of Samoa Joe. That is just not un, not acceptable on WWE's part. It's not Samoa Joe's fault. Production should be shot for that. It's go, it was god awful. I take a point. I said yesterday I gave it a seven and a half. I give it a six and a half just for that. Okay. All right. So sure. anyway, um, so what else? Oh, um, big. It's not earth shattering news, but very interesting. Nonetheless, a little statement came out late tonight from the WWE offices. To be more specific, the associate medical director of WWE, Jeffrey Dugas. And he said tonight, and I quote, a developmental talent who was last on site at WWE's training facility on Tuesday, June 9th, last week, mm-hmm has tested positive for COVID-19. Since that time, no other individuals that attended the facility have reported symptoms. However, out of an abundance of caution and to ensure the health and safety of the company's performers and staff, talent, and production crew, all staff, talent, production crew, and employees on site at the training and the production facilities will be tested for COVID-19 immediately. Following the test results, WWE plans to proceed with its normal television production schedule. I am blown away by this statement. Why? Because of what I brought up before on Wednesday Night Dynamite. I actually, do do you know how much it costs for the Q-tip test? I mean, obviously, prices vary across the United States. But uh, guess how much a COVID test, the, the, the swab in the nostril, costs? 
I could have sworn someone told me at Lucky 13 it was uh, 150 11 dollars right. oh is that it I thought it was 100 and something dollars well no that that was the blood test result that I had that I didn't want to wait to do it through a doctor yeah, so some, some people are saying 100 plus yeah, yeah. I thought, no no I thought, I thought if you plus. if you look around the rapid test can be purchased you know in bulk for about $11 a test. And AEW tests their wrestlers, the crew, production, people around ringside that they have there, referees, wrestlers, they test everybody twice. Now, you count the number of people that work in AEW that you see on camera, and you compare it to WWE tonight, is not that much difference. WWE may have more people working behind the scenes, but the point is, is that the the fact that from June 9th to tonight they have yet to have everybody tested that f- is totally unacceptable every single time they enter the building they should be testing everybody for covid all right sure it sucks we we got to pay a, uh, even if it's $20 a test even if it's $30 a test How many people do you think that they have in that building? Let's say 50. 50. You took backstage and on TV, let's say 50. You want to go further with the the people around here? Let's go 70. 70 times 30 is $2,100. $2,100. Not only are you showing tonight's show, but you're taping next week's show. And if they are sequestered right back to the hotel and some of them are going to be back for NXT the next day, you have them there already for NXT's show this week and the taping for the following week. So, and not only that, you could write this off on your taxes the following year because there's no way that WWE takes a simple deduction. They itemize everything. So the fact that they're being this you're like cheap to not be testing every single time people show up at the building is mind-boggling for me. This is a billion-dollar company, and I, I just don't understand that. I don't understand it. Um, we don't know who tested positive. As I said before, I don't think it's our business to know unless the person themselves or WWE wants to say it because I still remember those goofs that were insisting that Charlie Caruso tested positive for COVID. Then they said Kayla Braxton tested positive for COVID. There was a rumor that, um, what's her name, Corey Graves' girlfriend. Yeah, they they said Carmella tested positive for COVID. They said Rey Mysterio tested positive for COVID. You know, these, these people should test themselves for COVID. You know, I, I don't know if COVID fucks up the brains, but I don't I don't like getting into that rumor shit. So, you know, we, we don't know who tested positive, but this is a pretty big deal because you think back to last Tuesday, you know, you're talking NXT, you're talking, I think, SmackDown as well. Um, so we will see what happens. We will see what happens. Well, there's been a big spike in the state of Florida, as you know, DT, so... Yeah, but it's possible. Yeah. N- number one, they're testing about eighty times more than they did two months ago. In so far? the more testing they do for people, the you know the more they're getting the positive results being exposed. There's a lot of people who had COVID 
to this day don't even know that they had it. Yeah, they're asymptomatic. Yeah. Plus, what's happening, and I brought this up Friday. You know, here in New York, we only had like 25 deaths the last two days. 25 yesterday, 25 today. And we got a state of 19 million people. And our numbers are extremely fucking low. And the one thing that I see, even in my neighborhood, a lot of restaurants and areas are saying, fuck you, Cuomo, fuck you, de Blasio. When it goes to stage two, for them, it's stage three. You know what I mean? Like, they're pushing the envelope. But here's the difference. Everybody's wearing masks. Everybody is social distancing. Everybody is using Lysol and hand sanitizer. Everybody is being very careful. You look at Florida. You look at Texas, you look in a lot of these other areas, and the problem is, with all due respect to the people that live in those areas, their mayors, their governors, their fucking commercials, they did not stress, 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 stress. I don't care if it's phase one, phase two, phase 19. They should have stressed that even though you're back to phase two, phase three, phase four, still wear the mask. Still social distance. Having Dr. Fauci and others say it is not enough. You want your local people to stress it. Have your fucking sports people do it. Have fucking baseball, football players stress it. They did not stress it enough. So as soon as you see people on the beach, mask off. You see people fucking hanging out in the stores, mask off. And that's where why their numbers are going up too. In New well, York, people are doing happen, stuff. Right? Well, you saw what happened in the East Village because people are asking. You saw what happened in the East Village with that picture where Cuomo threatened to uh, come down there. Yeah, he's a dick. Fuck him. Yeah. Fuck him. I honestly, I he's playing. He's a, acting like a parent, so I don't fucking pay attention to him. I I stopped listening to them two three months ago. I I said on one of the shows almost three months ago. I'm gonna wear my masks. I'm gonna. This is when the fucking. Somebody in Trump's team, the, the yeah. fucking military guy, the Surgeon General, that said, "Oh, you know, there's no proof that masks help it because they wanted all the the hospitals to have all the masks." They said early yeah. on, "There's no proof that masks will help you at all." Like I said, masks. You look at it like condoms. Look at it like birth control. If I have birth control on, if I have a fucking mask over my face, and a person six feet away from me has a mask over over that person's face. If I have to cough or I have to sneeze, I fucking turn the other way. If I could fucking hold it, I have a napkin, I fucking do it in a napkin too. I don't look in the person's face and just sneeze and cough at will. You know, if I'm in a fucking store and, you know, even if it's there's not many people in there, I wear the mask just in case somebody sneezed two minutes before I fucking walk down that aisle. Down the aisle. So you take precautions. And a lot of people did not, they forgot about that, that just because they were allowed to do things again, oh, it's off with the mask. And the beaches especially, you know, you're hanging out on the beach, you know, you're a teenager, 20-something-year-old, you're hanging out with chicks, guys, fucking girls, mask, yeah. you know, who fucking wants to wear a mask uh, also, covering half yeah, your face? Also, yeah, it's also like very cumbersome, and in the hot weather, it's having a fucking cloth over your face. But I'll say this also, DT, and you got to admit, People are also doing it to be defiant. Like you saw that chick in the Astoria thing, that whole dust up with that other girl, where she coughed on the girl. She came That's in with one idiot. On. Well, it's one idiot, but there was a lot of idiots in East Village on St. Mark's Place. It looked like about 200 idiots yeah. with no masks out there. And well, I think they're doing it to be defiant because we saw what went on for 10 days and 10 nights with thousands of protesters yeah. in the street. And other people are, I haven't been able to memorialize or, or eulogize or have a get-together for 
dead loved ones. So they're like, fuck Governor Cuomo, fuck de Blasio, you know, fuck this whole yeah, thing. And I think exactly. people are doing it to be defiant. They're being defiant, ET. Exactly. That's what you it know, is, you know. The tragedies that happened and, you know, we just had another one in Atlanta. Those yeah. are fucking terrible. And the protests yeah. were absolutely necessary and they need to continue. But when you had all the fucking politicians that put their tails between their legs and didn't have the balls to, to tell everybody, look, you know, we're, we're going to find people. We're going to shut you down. We're going to do this if you don't social distance and we don't wear masks. And then you fucking turn around now and you're threatening to close up a bar because the people outside aren't wearing a mask. Fuck you. Exactly. Fuck you. That's total, that's total bullshit. Exactly. I mean, these places have not been open. You know what I, mean, I would have liked? I mean, I'm, in that, I'm in that industry. I take more than personal offense to that. Because, again, I know the people who have been making dime with that take-to-go bullshit. Lucky 13's making not even a quarter of the money they, they normally make. Not even 25% of what they normally make with that to-go nonsense. So they're, they're open, but there's two people working there instead of 10. And then there's threatening to take uh, liquor licenses away if you don't uh, you know, scoot people along, scoot them along. Don't let them hang out and commiserate from the bar. I mean, you got to be all things to all people. And how are you supposed to do that? You don't want to be an asshole, but if I wanted to be the ultimate asshole and Cuomo called my bar, you know what I would say to him? They're protesting. Yeah. They're protesting. You know, you don't have to say what they're protesting about. You say they're protesting. What am I supposed to do? You they're doing exactly what the protesting. What am I supposed to do? What are you going to say? One guy. Oh, yeah, one guy. Shoe along a hundred people. Them. Yeah, but yeah, them. yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I, like I said, but I'm doing what you're doing. I'm wearing a mask. I went to the store. But I'm noticing, DT, when I'm going to the stores here, where I go to Food Universe or go to the laundromat, pick up laundry, there's people outside with their arms folded all mad. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Yeah, they won't let me in. I don't got a mask on. I'm like, yeah, says it on the door. So I'm noticing that there's a contingency of people outside at these places I'm going to that are being turned away because it says must wear a mask or no entry. And again, people are getting defiant and I'm seeing them of all ages, DT senior citizens, teenagers, middle-aged people. No excuse not to have a mask. No, no, I agree. And I said, you know, let's just, just put the mask. I even like people are trying to like get me on their side. They're like, you know, fuck this mask. I'm like, listen, I'm tired of it too, but at least we can go out and get stuff done, you know, not trapped in the house. So, you know, play ball as much as you need to, and with baby stepping forward. At least we're not going backwards. That's well, the important thing. You know? I said this thousand times on the shows over the years. I'll say it again now. My daddy told me at five years old, never justify bad behavior with bad behavior. Oh, same. So just because other morons are not wearing a mask doesn't mean that I don't fucking wear it. So, but you I, understand the fr- you understand the frustration. Oh, sure. It's it's hypocrisy. But like I said, I I give zero fucks for anybody else except for me my family, my health, and people I care about. Everyone else I give zero fucks about. And that's the way I, I, I will continue until the day I drop. So, and, you know, just, I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but we all care about you, our list. We care about our listeners, though. We care about all of our listeners. Yeah, of course. Of course. But um, everyone out there, I'm sorry if I'm blowing this guy's spot up because I don't think he's made it publicly, but I don't care if he gets mad at me. For all of you out there, if you are uh, friends or if you follow Mish on social media, uh, send him a get well wish. He is uh, keeping it on the down low, but he's going to a doctor tomorrow. He uh, has a lot of the symptoms of COVID. Doesn't know if it's COVID or just a regular flu, but he is not uh, all that doing all that well right now. So you might it, it would make him feel good. Seriously, um, stop by his social media and just say get well. You know. Just give him, give him some love. So, 
Um, so Look. getting back to WWE, so somebody tested positive, and we'll see what is what is done about it. But you know, and, and you know, I want to clear this up too with Raw tonight. People may have noticed that we had the NXT stars around ringside. And then you would see like a 67-year-old man that looked like he couldn't even like walk. You, you like you, you, you pretty much convinced he parked in the handicap zone in near the performance center. And mm -hmm. some people were like, who are these other people? Now, there's some websites saying that they were just regular fans. That is a lie. All right, those people were inv invites that were related to the center and, you know, people. These were not just strangers. That's probably the best way I could put it. They brought some people in there, a very small number. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what they do um, tomorrow uh, with NXT on, well, the taping for tomorrow, but then NXT Wednesday and SmackDown Friday. Now, they had the NXT stars on one side of the build of the, you know, the arena, and they had the, the quote-unquote fans on the opposite side. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they still allow non-talent to still come in and sit on the opposite side. They're going to have to. Because until there's a vaccination, there's no unless they're gonna do what AEW does and test every day that that building is open and people are performing, um, they have to they have to bite that expense. You know, it's just um, they spray the whole fucking place, they wipe down the ropes, they sanitize this, they sanitize that, and somebody still has it. It's funny, some guy said on TV today, uh, we're all sick of COVID and we're, we're done with COVID, but COVID's not done with us. Mm -hmm. It's probably, it sounds like It won't be gone good. for years. It won't be gone for years. Excellent. What do you think about a vaccination, DT, in 2021? I already put my name in, you know, any trials that come available in my neighborhood. I want to be one of the first. Yeah, I don't want no fucking placebo either. Mm -hmm. my, my Look, I've said this a thousand times before. Less than half of the United States gets the flu shot. I can't tell you how many times over the years I've seen people on TV, I'm not giving my kids the flu shot. What, what, they'll get autism from it. I won't take the flu. I don't believe in flu shots. So when this comes out, this is pretty much a flu shot. And what's going to happen is you could have a lot of people that are not going to get this flu shot, and the COVID shot, the vaccine. So what's going to happen is... For years and years and years, you're going Close to have people mouth. who didn't get vaccinated that are going to catch it from someone else who decided wasn't going to get vaccinated. Me, soon as that fucking vaccination, even if they say that in order to get vaccinated, you got to get injected in your eye or your tongue or the tip of your penis. Um, I don't care where it gets injected. As soon as that vaccination is out there, I am fucking there. I'll, I'll be like old school standing in the 1977 for Star Wars. I'll camp out on the sidewalk. I'll pitch a tent. I don't care if I smell like death. I'm going to get that vaccination so fucking quick. And then you could surround me in a fucking, you know, uh, a bathhouse with nothing but positive COVID people. <laughs> I don't care. I'll just turn around and say, I'm clear, baby. Fucking cough in my face. Do whatever you want. Fucking treat me like the bitch that I am. I ain't catching COVID. I'm gonna have that fucking vaccination, definitely. But oh, wait a second, you never got you never got a flu shot in your life. I've always gotten a flu shot. That's my that's oh, what I'm saying. Oh, I always get vaccinated. Oh, no, oh, I thought you said you're against the. Flu no, shot. I'm totally for it. I'm gonna oh, be okay, first yeah, in yeah. line. 
Seriously, if I could fucking buy it on eBay for eight times the price, if I could get it quicker and they ship UPS, I'm buying it. Tell How'd you, you sign up? How'd you sign up for it though? They have websites that oh, you that could sign up website. that if you want to, you know, become a trial Trials. study. I just look. I'm not gonna lie. I'll reveal something now that I'm not. I'm not that proud of. But you know, when they did clinical trials like over the last 15 years for new types of painkillers and stuff like that, I always would sign up for that because I'm like, hey, you know, if I could get the latest painkiller and fucking get paid for it too, and it takes away my pain, fuck it, man. You know, just unfortunately, usually those painkiller tests, uh, those trials were had no narcotics in it. Oh, is that what it was? Yeah, it was, oh, so you actually, you actually, you actually. One time, one time, they actually gave me, and it, it, I felt like I had vertigo. I, I literally turned my head this way to like look at something, and I turned my head this way, and it's like my head was like catching up. I don't know if you've ever done that where you suddenly turn this way, but it feels like your head, that's, it just, that's it. That's it. So, uh, so getting back to, uh, raw. raw. So, you know, looking back on raw tonight again, first two hours, four matches, three to four, less than two and a half minutes each one, one, six and a half minutes. But we had Randy Orton open up the show talking about last night. He won the greatest wrestling match ever, so he's the greatest wrestler ever. And Edge is on the shelf, and he did Edge a favor. He gets interrupted by Christian, and Christian basically says, you know, he looks at Randy Orton, and all he sees is someone who is cold, calculated, and a son of a bitch. And, um, you know, I don't remember Christian laughing, walking down the ring, but Randy Orton with that you know, pre-planned of what the bullet points WWE wants him to say. He's like, you come down here, you're laughing, you're saying this. And I'm like, he didn't fucking laugh, but whatever. (laughs) Bottom line is Randy Orton challenges him to an unsanctioned match. And if he doesn't take it, then he's a coward. And we have everything set up. And I liked it because, as I said at the beginning of the show, this is something that Paul Heyman did not capitalize on, and that was that suspense. Is someone going to accept the challenge? Is someone going to, let alone Christian, who we haven't seen in the ring for a while? Sure, we knew it was probably going to be a clusterfuck, but still, suspension of disbelief, you know, we were wondering, you know, like, hey, is Christian actually going to have an impromptu match? It'd be interesting. Yeah, I was excited. That's what I mean. So the kickoff of Raw was cool, and it had my interest, and I knew of other things that were going to be on a program already. So I had I had high hopes for Raw. What can I tell you? Um, James, that medicine I was on, it was like something like Tramadol. It's not Tramadol, but it's something like Tramadol. I don't remember the name of it. So I know that they give it to dogs now as like a light painkiller, but they do give it to humans too, but they found that it helps animals more than it helps humans. So I didn't grow any fur or anything like that like it's safe for humans but you know that's you know this was like 12 13 years ago but so um next we had pretty much what we what we already knew andrade and angel garza teasing that split a little bit more Mm -hmm. i think this is all designed to show woman power like the woman is the boss you know, yes, like Angel Garza's acting like a child. Andrade's acting like a child. And here comes Alina Vega, you know, the strong female. Like, enough, enough. 
shake hands, fight together. Bam, 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 bam. Enough, enough. And they put their tail between their legs. Yes, yes, mom. Yes, mom. If it, that's what it feels like. That's what the whole storyline feels like. Um, but, you know, we have Angel Garza taking on Kevin Owens. Angel Garza gets pinned. Andrade with a little bit of distraction, which right. Angel Garza should have welcomed. But for some reason, it bothered him, you know, because Andrade was trying to distract Kevin Owens. Um, so Angel Garza loses, and then... Andrade and Garza are like yelling at each other and Zelina Vega's like trying to stop it. Stop it now. Stop it now. I don't know. What'd you think of the match? I thought it was okay. I mean, it, it was all right. I mean, you know, Garza's a, a future star. He's kind of finding his way right now. You know, Owens is, is already an established guy doing what he's got to do in the meantime. I don't know where Owens goes from here, but I'm still thinking Andrade's still going to turn. I, I think this is just a, bullshit thing and Andrade's still going to wind up leaving and Zelina will side with Garza and I, I'm telling you I still think Andrade's going to turn babyface I think no, he has to no disrespect to Andrade mm -hmm. but if anybody goes back and watches the interaction that we had he had with Angel Garza at the beginning tonight where he's basically saying to Angel like good luck with your match if you actually listen to Andrade's attempt at a one line like humor like a one liner it fell flatter than that fucking salsa that I drank last week. Andrade is not polished on the mic. Whether he, they suddenly make him speak beautiful, fluent English, he's not polished. And that he doesn't have that charisma. I know that there's no fans in attendance, but there is a such thing as to have charisma oozing through the TV set. And I can tell you Andrade is is fucking drier than a martini. You know what I mean? Like he is stale. And in him as a baby face, I think would fucking be the drizzling, drizzling shits. They may have no choice because Angel Garza, there is no way Angel Garza should be a baby face. No, 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 no. So not at all. Again, they're, they're, there's the feud is inevitable, but Someone's got to be the good guy. Someone, I mean, they both could be heels. There's no, it's not anything you know, official that someone's got to be the good guy. But I think the the probably if there was a crowd, the cheered guy would obviously be Andrade. He's been here longer, you know. People probably would would be uh, more connected to him and feel more sympathy for him. You know what I mean? Because there's this hot, you know, Garza comes out of nowhere. Andrade's been tearing it up for years now here, finally getting his due, and this young brash kid comes. So that makes sense for Andrade to be the babyface. It just makes sense to me. Yeah. I just don't understand why they can't still be a faction. There's only two of them. That that allows you to have occasional tag teams, tag team matches. That why does Zelina Vega have to only manage one? Or why does Zelina Vega you know you understand what I'm saying? Like, why split them up? I like I just don't see it suddenly being like a, a big main part of a pay-per-view to see them two going at, going at it well, because they, they would they would match up good together dt and to get a match out of them because there's no one else to feud they could have a like match that. right now they could they could but they could have a match right now there'll be some dissension i think that's just the classic thing where it's like someone someone gets uh you know uh, goes the other way in these feuds they don't usually make up and then everything's cool you know what i mean i want to see umberto caillo and Angel Garza become a tag team. 
I think Umberto Caillo would probably, it would be interesting to see him as a heel, especially when you look at the age factor of Angel Garza and Umberto, you know, them being extremely young. I know a lot of us kind of like find Umberto Carrillo's haircut interesting, to say politely, but I think those two guys, you know, just looks-wise, and you know, I'm not saying that Zelina Vega would be like the Sherry Martell to the boy toy, you know what I mean? But if you're going to split up Andrade and Angel Garza, I think somebody should replace Andrade in Zelina Vega's camp. And Umberto, you know, it just... Turn bad, yeah, turn a bad guy. Or Umberto is a bad guy, a little, like, uh, arrogant, young, brash team like that. Him and... Uh, they're supposed to be cousins, right, in an angle? They are. Think, oh, they're, they're cousins? Okay. Yeah. That, that makes sense, then. Team up. Umberto's... Uh, he can't I mean, be a baby. Yeah, yeah he's in there. Yeah, turn Umberto heel. I, I agree with that. That would be a good little faction. Now. Yeah. Uh, shout out to Mish. He's actually uh, online. And, uh, oh, Mish, yeah, I'm sorry. I hope you don't get mad that I blew up your spot. But, uh, you know, we actually do care so i i wanted to have the love shower your way so um, good luck mish yeah yeah uh lashley and mvp heading to the ring basically talking about last night lana comes out she gets into it with mvp a little bit gets into it with lashley and you know for all the people out there you know and i went on a, a long rant friday about Boyman being removed and Bruce Pritchard being put on Raw Creative. Right. If anybody out there that bitch and moaned and complained, you know, about Paul Heyman being removed, this segment with Lana Lashley and MVP tonight was pretty much like my fuck you, sticking my middle finger in your ass moment because I remember in October or November of last year, telling everyone, reminding everyone some of the storylines that Paul Heyman did on SmackDown. And if I remember correctly, one of them was Al Wilson and Dawn Marie. So, you know, to have Bobby Lashley tonight, which is goofy still because you would put real love in a real relationship above a wrestling match. But Bobby Lashley said tonight he wants a divorce. So this storyline is coming to an end and again you know paul Heyman is was you could all say oh vince has the last say and maybe paul Heyman was against it look he's like the fucking manager on the team the team doesn't do well the manager is the one that gets takes the responsibility bites the bullet bruce pritchard you know hopefully it was his decision with vince to end this shit start the divorce angle so that's what we got tonight. Yeah. You know, finally end this garbage with this whole marriage storyline. So um, it was all pointless. I agree. ATM, all pointless. When you go back and you think about it, you could see how WWE got such cold feet with Liv Morgan and Lana. They, they, like, you could, you could pretty much, if you look back on it, Especially how Paul... Look, remember the Al Wilson Dormarie? I mean, Al Wilson had a fucking erection in his fucking underwear. You actually could see the outline of his dick. Like, you oh. knew he was circumcised. That's how tight the, the, the underwears were. I my, never saw that. I didn't see that. Yeah, I saw that, unfortunately. But here's my point. Here's my point. You go back and you look at that cliffhanger 
where Rusev and Liv Morgan uh, crashed the wedding. You almost could see how Paul Heyman wanted the lesbian twist to this and maybe even to a point where Liv Morgan and Lana maybe make out or Liv Morgan is obsessed with Lana. And you can almost see that that within that same week, you know, Vince was not having that. And that aspect of the storyline disappeared, disappeared almost immediately. You could pretty much see how Paul Heyman pushed for that. And then you had a little bit of outrage online and Vince like, no, no, we're moving on from that. All those fucking bath segments with Liv Morgan, you know, just ended up to nothing. Yeah, again, Lana, I don't even know why they retained her. They let her husband go, the talent in the in the duo, and they kept her. I don't get it. Uh, I, I don't I don't think anything of her. I, I've said this before. I don't see her. I'll what tell does you, she offer to this, DT? I don't see what she offers to this. i tell you something. A, I think WWE may hire Rusev back. Possible. I'm not trying to break no news or anything like that, but you know, a lot of people seem to forget the F word. All right, and it doesn't. It's it's not followed with an A. It's followed with a U. Furloughed. I'm not saying Rusev was furloughed, but some people were, and furloughed pretty much means that look, you know, we're letting you go, but you know we 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 plan on bringing you back, or we want to bring you back. I think the way this storyline was going, they had nothing for Rusev because every time you see Rusev, you think of Lana. And every time you think of Lana, you think of Rusev. So by f- letting Rusev go, now everybody f- is focused on Lana and Lashley. And anytime you saw Rusev outside, he pretty much is by himself playing video games on Twitch. So I think with this storyline, this coming to an end, and as we start getting fans back, it would not, it would not surprise me. If WWE hires Rusev back, remember this, everybody, because I think of all the people that were let go, there is a very good possibility that they may bring Rusev back. You know, I, I know there's a lot of people out there that are begging Rusev to fucking trash WWE, you know, and I, th- I think do not discount that. I mean, it's possible another Fed may offer him a boatload of cash, but Never say never. I think WWE, he might be one of the first people they bring back. It's possible. I mean, I'd heard no way Jose got hired back. Did you hear that? I didn't hear that. Someone told me that. I can't remember. It was my brother. Oh. Um, but I think they, I think uh, a few people could be, I, well, I know they were trying to hire, well, they were reaching out with less uh, downside guarantees and less money offers for some people that did release. You yeah. heard about that, Because right? they're not using them right now. I know. I'm just saying that they can take it or leave it. I mean, people are like that's horrible. Take advantage. I don't know if they're taking advantage. I mean, there's no what revenue is really coming in. Everyone's like they have all this money, but they're dependent on other money from live events and other things that would normally be happening that they don't have. So again, you know, uh, it's I guess it's up to the individual if they think they can hold out and go somewhere else when this thing subsides and they could sign with AEW or you know ROH or whatever. So taking kind of a chance or, or get the job security now and sign for less money, which probably still be decent money by WWE standards. I don't think they're paying them $150 a week. So I don't know. I think a guy like Rusev could definitely, uh, could definitely get re-signed. I wouldn't close the, I wouldn't close the door maybe on any of them, to be honest with you. DK. Well, Sarah, yeah, some of them Sarah, are done. So yeah, some of them I would say, but even like a Sarah Logan could come back, you know, you mm-hmm. never know. 
It's possible, but the longer they go further without bringing her back, I mean, the less she's absolutely not needed, you know, the less she's needed, to be honest with you. But I mean, yeah, they have people who are there who aren't even on TV right now, like Ruby Riot. Yeah. Um, well, she's on main event. It's better than yeah, nothing, main, I guess. Yeah. Oh, that's where, uh, what's her name is right now, right? Um, Baszler? Uh, no, uh, what's her name? Uh, the ponytail. Uh, Oh, you're talking, my, oh, you're talking about um, Bianca Belair? Bianca Belair, yeah, I blanked on her yeah. name for a second. Well, you know why? Because they're trying to finish one storyline and then go into another one. So she'll she'll be on TV very, very soon. She'll be, I mean, um, yeah, you know, Raw, I should say. That kind of segues, not even purposely, uh, for the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders, uh, like as we said with the, uh, the Ninja situation. Which, again, you know, they're teaming up. And you said you like the camaraderie between the two teams, right, DT? I, I said a couple of weeks ago that it would yeah. be tied and the, yeah. the breaking point would be a wrestling match and they'd be friends. Yeah. It's exactly what's happened. It just, you know, we got Big Show getting involved in this now. And What do you think about that? You think that was that? You think that's a Bruce Pritchard thing, bringing Big, big, ah, bringing big shows? Can't talk. Uh, in tonight, you think that was a Pritchard idea? Yeah, why not? Yeah, I mean he's a known guy. They're not doing he nothing lives, with him on TV. Yeah, he lives in Florida. He lives there. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know I laughed at people tonight saying, "Oh, well, he just turned babyface again." You know, I think people yeah. totally misunderstood him challenging Drew McIntyre. You know, at WrestleMania, right. you know that was more of to try to you know basically hype up Drew that you know here yeah, he's like it, he wasn't. Being a heel, he was you know basically giving him a challenge. You you know you you say you got it here, you know of course it's scripted, but the point is is that the character was more of trying to boost up Drew McIntyre and nothing else, you know. So um, I have no problem. I have no problem with it. I I don't mind Big Show once in a while on TV. You know, I never in a million years ever thought that he would last 25 years in pro wrestling, not just health-wise, but just as a character. And he's in the twilight of his career. So, to have, I mean, some of the segments are kind of goofy, and he's doing the things with the Street Profits and everything, but they don't have a GM on TV. So, you know, you have to have people to come up with ideas. So Big yeah. Show comes up with the idea to Street Profits and Viking Raiders, why don't you f- settle it Number seven in the ring. And that's what we're gonna get. Plain and simple. I think oh, yeah. you know that that's the way to go. And um even I've gotten everything on point so far with this, and I'll even go one step further. I think when everything is said and done in the near future, the Viking Raiders are gonna turn back heel. Think so, really? Yeah. I think this was done basically to create a different extension of their character. And plus, you don't have like a monster, you know, like big tag team right now. So maybe AOP comes back soon and maybe AOP, you know, goes at it with them. Or if AOP's not coming back, maybe Viking Raiders go back. But this is not going to last that long. I mean, it may be a few months, but the, I think the end result, Viking Raiders go back to being a heel tag team. No no way they turn Street Profits heel? No. Oh, not definitely too, not. Too, uh, no, too much for the. Uh, definitely not. They get, get the crowd going. Yeah, yeah, with the crowd. Yeah, you're right. They get the crowd going. 
So I don't I, that that won't be happening anytime soon, in my opinion. But uh, you know, as we had that backstage segment with the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders, we had Tazawa show up with the ninjas again, and then we get the giant ninja. Every time I think I hear them saying giant ninja, I always think of Andre the Giant under the mask with the machines. Oh, I was going to say a big machine, giant machine, super, uh, super machine. Was the other? Super machine was mass superstar. Yeah. Blackjack Mulligan was big machine and uh giant machine was Andre the Giant. Yep. So uh, this leads to a match. Montez Ford, Angelo Dawkins, Eric and Ivar. They beat Tazawa and the three ninjas in a minute. Mm-hmm. You know, then they had to stare down. Well, it went a little out of place. We had to stare down with uh, Giant Ninja and, you know, the Viking Prophets, and then Big Show comes out and everybody backs off. So that's when Big Show later on came up with the idea of having the three on, yeah, the, the tie, three of the three, three broken uh, in, a tag, in a tag title match. So um, Liv Morgan and Natty, they lose to the Iconics in two minutes. God awful. You know, Ugh. Natty gets knocked outside the ring and she's unconscious for 90 seconds, which was just <laughs> pitiful. Oh, um, God. Liv Morgan takes one shot and she's done. After the match is over, Natty's basically getting in Liv Morgan's face. Remember what I said about a month ago? Braddy Natty. Pisses me off. Yeah. We don't have live fans, really, because I want to hear a Braddy Natty chant going. Um. I'm sure you will. And, and, uh, she, what did she say to Liv Morgan? No wonder why Ruby Riot, uh, got rid of you. Yep. That's she said. Yeah. So, and then Lana comes out and says, Oh, you think you got troubles? I'm getting divorced. And is there some sort of team up there? DT? Oh, that was just a little thing. Uh, it was just, um, meaning of the minds. I, I don't know if that leads to anything. That's basically both of them saying that they don't get any respect or anything. Exactly. Like that. I was wondering if put together the Rodney Dangerfield crew. Uh, Albert, <laughs> Albert says, Natty is going to turn heel. My answer to you, Albert's, really? <laughs> no. Why do you think I've said Braddy Natty for the last four or five weeks? This is, yeah, that's what it is. Natty is turning, turning heel, you know? So, um, but a lot of caca, you know, it, it was just a garbage match. And, you know, Liv Morgan doesn't lose much stock from it, but to lose, she literally just got hit with one move and that was it. It was from the, the match. And was the Iconics. Over. Yeah. And then the Iconics got their promo. And one thing I did like tonight, DT, and that uh, finally a little come up and it's very little, didn't, you know, didn't exactly throw the beat down of the year on him, but. Dominic finally comes out tonight and gets a little uh, revenge for his dad. That was a cool segment. I enjoyed that. Finally been waiting to see what this kid's going to do. And he could still, you're, I know what you said, you suggested a few weeks ago, you know, crazy if Dominic would join the, uh, join uh, Seth Rollins crew in the long run or when this is all said and done, Dominic turns on his dad, which can always happen. But tonight he came in, clobbered Seth Rollins from behind, threw him into the partition uh, ducked and dodged the beat down from the other guys outside. Got the best of them, made fools out of the, the minions of Seth Rollins. So I thought that was kind of a cool segment. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, Mysterio on the camera with, I don't know what the fuck they put in front of it. almost looked like they took, like, if he's still married, like his wife's stockings and, like, put yeah, it over yeah. his eye, but we could still see the eye. It's just like, it was like clear stocking over it or something. But um, it was just funny as Dominic is ducking and jiving and getting out of there you see ray mysterio on the camera is like, like thank god yeah yeah 
You know, it was just, I, I look, I, I said, I think this could lead to Dominic versus Seth. Uh, maybe Seth has Dominic go through Murphy and maybe go through Theory first to get to Seth. But I think in the end, I said it that night when Dominic sat next to him, I said, fucking Dominic's got to join Seth Rollins' crew. Just to see Rey Mysterio crying, why, son, why, son? And this is revenge for what you did for Eddie. I mean, it would never come up, but um, but I still think that is a possibility. It could happen, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a possibility. Dominic goes under the spell of Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins is, sells Dominic a hill of beans. Dominic falls for it. Ray Mysterio is trying to get his son out of, you know, that that thinking and ain't having it. Will this lead to Dominic versus Ray in a match? Possibly. Maybe that's how you get Ray Mysterio in storyline back in a match. That well, Dominic challenges his father. Well, I figured to get Ray back in general, well, don't you think it'll be a, it'll be a, you think it'll be an individual match with Dominic first versus Seth or Seth will have one of his I have guys. no idea. But Ray and uh, ultimately Ray and Dom teaming up against uh, maybe even the three of them. You think maybe? Well, it could just be you know Theory and and and, uh, uh, Murphy. and Murphy. You know, yeah, it could. But be. I don't know. I still that was just a thought that I had that night, and I'm still sticking with. It. I think that would be a nice swerve, and we'll see where it goes. But a um, lot of backstage segments today. You know, from Natty yeah, to Liv Morgan to Natty to Lana. Uh, you know, Apollo Crews talking to MVP, uh, Shelton Benjamin cutting a promo, Charlotte with, with Ric Flair, with, yeah, Ric Flair with Christian, Christian with, with Big Shot. I mean, it's just, you look at it, it's Ch Charlie Caruso with Garza. I mean, mm. we might have had the record tonight in the last 10 years of the most backstage segments ever. And maybe that's Bruce Pritchard just trying to set up little, you know, ships in the road, you know, little detours here and there. But yeah, when I look uh, back on it, it was amazing how many fucking backstage segments, backstage segments we had tonight. Oh, man, it was fucking bad. Well, it was bad because the it, it suffered with the wrestling. Again, the first two hours, 12 minutes of wrestling. That's 10%. Two hours is 120 minutes. 10%. Of the first two hours of Raw was wrestling. Dude, and how many times did they go backstage for R-Truth? I mean, even when he was teaming up with, uh, I think he had three segments backstage before the match actually happened. Yeah, R-Truth did. That's another one. R-Truth with Drew, Drew McIntyre yeah. and R-Truth having a Bobby problem Lashley, with ninjas. MVP and Bobby Lashley. There must have been like 15 segments. Uh, let's see if someone counts them and let's us know how many there were. But you're right. It probably was record-breaking tonight. You're right. I really the more I think, think about it, I'm like, my God, if I fucking got into every segment, the, our recap would be longer than the fucking show. It wouldn't be. Wild. So It was a lot of backstage segments. You're right. Why, mijo? Why? I agree, Anthony. I, I want to see Dominic turn on his dad. Seriously. Well, Ray with the puppy eyes crying that his son stabbed him in the back. I think that is absolutely necessary necessary so and and you know i think bruce pritchard um i don't know what his relationship is with paul Heyman, but i think bruce pritchard would absolutely love 
pun intended, um, to get some praise online. You know, I think just when you look in hindsight, you know, maybe Paul Heyman had a great fucking creative mind in the 90s and the 2000s, but maybe, you know, it's like Bischoff. Bischoff couldn't adapt to the WWE of 2019, so 2020. So, you know, Paul Heyman might be in that same category. Could be. Yeah. So with all these backstage segments going on, we end up getting Apollo Crews versus Shelton Benjamin. MVP telling Apollo Crews to be a smart champion, not a fight, just a fighting champion. And um, this was a non-title match, and he still beat Shelton Benjamin in two minutes. So. Yeah, I thought it would be a better match than that. I, li- I like Benjamin. I mean, obviously, he re-signed. He's pretty much enhancement talent at this point, unless they someday just say, you know what, let's give Shelton another push, one more go-around for this guy. Maybe you never know what could happen. Um, but I'm th- but obviously, DT, you saw that Apollo cheated to win, so doesn't mean anything? No, Maybe. I don't think it means anything right now. I think it was he got one up on, on Shelton Benjamin. Shelton. But uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a faction – you know, with MVP as the manager, maybe Lashley, Shelton Benjamin, and uh, Paula Cruz. I think we actually even talked about a little faction with MVP managing it a couple of weeks ago. Yep. So not an ace in a domination or anything like that. You know, it's funny. No. You know, people always try to, like, accuse other people of, oh, you're being so racial. Why is it whenever, and I'm not trying to be an asshole right now, but some of you all tuning in can think about this every time you see it written even on social media. How come whenever people talk about having a couple of black men be creating a faction in wrestling, they immediately say nation of domination? I I mean, I can't tell you how many times whenever a faction is talked about, hey, you know, I would love to see these three or four put in a faction together and right away the first response is yeah they could do a nation and domination why is it always that that is true anytime you see africa i, I gotta admit same with you dt i see it online too when people talk about african-american contingency they're like yeah new nation and i like yeah you're right why does it have to be that i don't understand i don't know if i don't think people being right ra- i just it's embedded in their head they, they did it with new oh, day yeah, early on new day. that's right that's true that's right Oh, New Day could be end up being the new nation. Yeah, if they turn heel, they could be like this militant yeah. group. And it's like, again, I think it's more just ignorance more than it is like racism, but sometimes they go hand in hand. Yeah. Uh, Drew McIntyre and R-Truth versus Lashley and MVP. The stipulation is that Drew McIntyre's title is on the line, so whoever gets the pin is new champion. Now, you look at it on one side, makes Drew McIntyre look a little stupid, why would he agree to something like that just because a heel challenges him that way? But in the end, we had Drew McIntyre uh, hit the Claymore kick on MVP. Uh, Drew McIntyre pointed to R-Truth, tagged him in. I wonder if anybody out there thought that R-Truth was going to get the pin and become the champion. But instead, McIntyre, um, you know, gets MVP for the pin and that's it. So, not a bad match. I mean, it was the longest match of the night. It was all right. Yeah. So, um, we had uh, the segment with Ric Flair and Charlotte. And, um, yeah, you know, that's... No, Darren, Darren, they definitely brought that up with... with, um, Not necessarily primetime players, but um, 
there was somebody else. There was somebody else that uh, they were actually talking about, and it involved one or two of those those guys as well. So, but anyway, moving on from that. Moving on from that. Um, Sasha Banks and Bailey hit the ring. We already know they're facing Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox on Wednesday for NXT. I thought Shotzi was in the crowd tonight, but they didn't no. flash her. Um, they were bragging about backlash. It's Bailey's birthday. And because yeah. they don't want Bailey to have the same moniker as, as Becky, they're not calling her Bailey Two Belts. She's insisting that everybody call her Bailey Dos Belts, I think it is. Oh, Dos Straps. Dos Straps, yes. Bailey Dos Straps. <laughs> That's not creative. That's just not, WWE's way of saying we don't want her to have the same phrase yeah. as Becky. Dos Straps. Dos Straps. Uno, dos. Two Straps. Yeah, it's almost like, you know, look at those straps. Look at those. Look at, hey, those. Look at those straps. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Whatever, whatever. Yeah, she she going to have those straps for all that long. But um, here's where we get treated for another fucking iconic speaking scene. Yeah, oh, couldn't believe it. Just because one of them slaps Sasha, you know, they accept, you know, Bailey accepts the challenge for the title. I don't know. Are they trying to make the Iconics baby faces in this? Because we got two heel tag teams. Yeah, I guess like the Iconics are going to be the baby faces, and they're being bold too now. They're not being like chicken shit heels. Now they're being brash and confident. Now the wrestling doesn't hold up to that. I mean, again, they're coming out, calling people out. This is a this is a different tag team. This isn't like your chicken shit heels. So again, they're they're being in your face. So this is a new, more aggressive Iconics. But again, it would help if they got better in the ring. It would be much more believable. Because they just kind of walked away. They didn't even get attacked by Bailey after they slapped Sasha, who looked amazing tonight. Sasha looks great. Um, and again, Sasha's a top girl, and she's kind of going to bow down to these two. I, uh, I don't get it, DT. And again, obviously, you know, I, it's easy to say I don't have fat, but obviously Bruce Pritchard's fond of the Iconics, I guess. You know, two segments and coming out there calling well, people our truth out. had three. Big Show had two. Christian had two or three. I mean, I think almost yes, everybody had multiple segments tonight. Yeah, but DT, that's Big Show and our truth These are legends of the business and the deserving of this. Drew McIntyre had a few. Iconics yeah, had two. World champ, you know. So, But I'm just saying, Iconics, it looks like they're going to get a big push. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Um, next, we had uh, Nia Jax uh, defeat. Uh, excuse me, Oscar defeat oh. Nia Jax. Mm -hmm. You know, this is exactly what I was saying yesterday, that the double countout yesterday, if anybody listens to the recap or if you heard it already, the double countout yesterday is basically to uh, not have Nia Jax lose clean right now and have Oscar keep the belt. So they're coming up with creative ways so it does not look like Oscar pins Nia clean. And we got the same thing again tonight. Tonight they're having their match... Decent match, you know, not too bad. Went, went almost nine minutes. But at one point, we had Nia Jax go to pin Oscar. Oscar puts a foot under the ropes. Nia Jax, for some reason, gets pissed the fuck off. She shoves the referee down. The referee does not call for a disqualification, which I thought oh. was pretty funny. So instead, Nia Jax gets rolled up by Oscar, and the referee does the fast three count. So even though Nia Jax got pinned, she got pinned because of a referee with a fast three count. That's basically, once again, covering up 
trying to protect Nia Jax. They don't want her to get pinned clean right now. Straight up match, no controversy. They don't want to do that right now. And the funny thing is, there's a lot of rumors that Oscar may be feuding with Charlotte at SummerSlam. Not sure if that's going to actually happen. But you may end up seeing kind of clusterfuck finishes with Nia Jax until this leads to Oscar's next feud. Nick says, why protect Nia? Because WWE has a lot of investment in Nia, and they think Nia Jax is a lot better than what goofs say on Twitter. I, I criticize Nia Jax too. Nia yeah. Jax definitely has some problems in the ring. No question. But, you know, for all these people out there, fire Nia Jax, die, <laughs> fucking, you know. Yeah, a little, a little much. WWE's not firing her, and she ain't dying, you know. Oh, so, you know, they, they want her to get better. So maybe her losing right now could be a little bit of punishment. Who knows? But um, that's what they're doing. They're doing exactly what we talked about yesterday. Yeah, no, it didn't hurt anybody tonight. So that's no. a good thing. So next... We had um, Christian, Randy Orton, unsanctioned yeah. fight. It's already 9, uh, 10.55, and I'm like, fuck. Then, you know, right before the match starts, Ric Flair comes out. Oh, Ric Flair God. telling Christian earlier, you know, you're not ready for this match. You're not ready for this match. So, Ric Flair comes out. Christian's like, I got, I need this. I, I'm good. And then Ric Flair low blows him. He's basically on his hands and knees in the ring, wincing in pain. Randy Orton punts him. And when Randy Orton punts him, once again, dumb referee shit. You know, referees, when someone is unconscious, think of Tommaso Ciampa in NXT against Karrion Cross. As soon as Tommaso Ciampa, the referee, thought that Ciampa couldn't answer, he immediately called for the bell. Christian is fucking in a coma. He gets punted, and I mean, how much clearer can it be when a referee looks over a Christian and Christian is, you know, it's the referee that just looks at him. Randy! And, and once again, there you go again. The fucking referee, go back. Randy Orton is just looking over Christian, you know, like he didn't want to do that. And Christian is just laying there unconscious. And the referee looks over at Orton and goes, Randy! Like do something, Randy. Oh God! So he did. Or, he did do something. He kicked him into unconsciousness. Yeah, well, well, not after he kicked him, and and no, no, Christian was unconscious. Like Randy Orton is saying, "I'm sorry, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to do this. No, you deserved it. You, it's all your fault." And the referee is just standing. There. Meanwhile, Christian is already in a coma, in a vegetative state, and the and the referee, instead of just checking Christian and calling for the bell, and I'm talking in storyline, the referee looks over at Randy. I'm telling, telling you, go back and watch it. And he looks at Randy and goes, Randy! Randy! <laughs> oh, I fucking hate that, man. They did that with Matt Hardy, too. No, Randy! No! <sighs> so that's how we go off the air. We got fucking uh, the 14-year-old paramedic that looks like um, like he wants to be Justin Bieber. That fucking goofy haircut. Looks like he hasn't grown any pubic hairs on his balls yet. Fucking 13 years old. He's just caressing Christian's neck. And it's 45 seconds and he's still caressing his neck. And meanwhile, the real paramedics are like playing around with the stretcher. Like, what do we do? What do we do? It was just, I don't know. 
no, Randy, no. I didn't like it. You know, I, I expected this because we know Christian cannot have a match right now. And I guess Christian was there to go along with the Edge storyline. Now with Edge out because of the torn tricep, Christian is out too. Yeah, so who's uh, who picks up the slack on this uh, feud here? Is, is there anybody else? Could we get Gangrel back here to fight him or something? Well, you know what? Maybe, maybe they will do something with Randy Orton and Ciampa. Ciampa, Ciampa yeah, maybe. I'd love that. I wouldn't mind seeing I, that. I, they wanna, see I don't know how you go from one to the other, but, you know, hey, that's their job. That's what they get paid for. I don't get paid to come up with that. Right, find a way. Yeah. So that was your Raw tonight. Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those out there, if you want to see something uh, pretty cool, Randy Orton did an interview with CBS Sports. I'm not going to read what he said. Yeah, I saw it. Um, but he talked about his previous comments when everybody was writing all, uh, Black, Black Lives Matter and he wrote All Lives Matter. And um, he explained why he originally said what he said. And then he started to really pay attention. He even, you know, was against Kaepernick. If anybody reads what he said, I will tell you as a white guy and with the same views now, I think there's a hell of a lot of people out there around my age, Randy Orton's age, that went through the same process that Randy Orton went through. Because several years ago, Kaepernick's disrespecting our troops, disrespecting the flag, and it didn't have anything to do with that. It was about, and, and I understand we knew that it was, you know, objective to police brutality. But in the process, we, a lot of us, including me, felt that he was disrespecting the flag. Like there's other ways to do it. But as these happen and you listen and you pay attention and you have people that you know personally, in Randy Orton's case, he's got a whole smorgasbord of people who have gone through this from Xavier Woods to Big E to everyone else, Shelton Benjamin and others. And he grew and, you know, he looks at things completely different than he did years ago. And I, and, you know, a lot of people, well, he, he him, looks at that. He looks at that completely different. Yeah. You, yeah. He, he, a lot of people give him a lot of credit for evolving like this. The reason why I bring everybody's attention to it right now is because I think a lot of people out there have gone through this same... Just because he's a famous wrestler doesn't mean he's not... You know, I say, I say this all the time. We all bleed the same. We all cry the same. We all have the same emotions. You know, just some people are uh, are entertainers, you know, on television and other people aren't. Um, but I think what he explains... A lot of people, including yours truly, have gone through the same process. And what I liked about what he said is, you know, that's not made up. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many little nuances of what he says that you. I don't think you could lie and make that up. And and I and in hindsight, I think of Hogan. And man, Hogan should have went on an apology tour. As if it was didn't, WrestleMania three, didn't he? No, no. He went to the media and cried on television, but he never went to schools. Never went to talk to young kids. He accepted one award for like the Cub Scouts or something, and Boys. and talked there. But 
Hulk Hogan should have went on for a couple of years speaking engagements. I And he just, he, even though I believe everybody has a right to redemption, but you look back on it, he totally blew an absolutely necessary opportunity where he could have legitimately mended fences over the past bunch of years. And I think at the end of the day, I think Hulk Hogan was afraid to go to these mostly minority schools because he didn't want to have people constantly cursing him out or putting him down or berating him or making him feel guilty. So he goes on TV, he cries a little bit, you know, he's got his friends sticking up for him, and I don't think he's a racist, but it's not for me to tell because, you know, he, I'm not black. But I think Hulk Hogan, in hindsight, totally blew a tremendous opportunity. And I think that's why Hogan is really not more featured on television, especially with WWE. It's like a special appearance once in a blue moon, and that's it. And meanwhile, this guy is getting older and older and older. You know how many years he has on this earth still. And I don't think he'll ever overcome that. I don't know. I thought um, to a degree a lot was forgiven by a bunch of people and then others didn't. I think he's always going to have that stigma. And he comes off very disingenuous. You know, I think that's the problem with Hogan. He doesn't uh, – people don't buy his his story or his apology and – He's done some stuff, and people heard that stuff on the tape about the guy deserving to be paralyzed, and God, that's what God wanted for him, and weird shit, and you know, sleeping with his friend's wife and getting filled. It's just a lot of, again, not that everyone's got to be the moral compass. I mean, everyone's got uh, things they do that they're not proud of and skeletons in their closet, but I think Hogan, everyone held this hero to a higher standard, and when they saw all these flaws in their hero, they're like, and then they heard him with the N-word, and they're just shaking their head going, I don't like Hogan anymore. And I think I know a lot of people, and me and you watching wrestling DT since Hogan was in his rookie years, 1979, probably his third year in the business at that point, second year. Uh, so we've been around since day one with that guy, seeing him on TV, seeing him through the Rocky and Hulkamania and all that stuff. And again, what what he was and what he is now is, is two different things. And I think, uh, yeah, he, you're right. He he burned a lot of uh, probably good opportunities. I think he's still held in regard by a lot of people who just want to remember the hero that they remember. Other people like, I think it's 50-50 now, DT, if you pull oh, people. Oh, I don't think so. You you're talking about, so? now, are we talking about just, you're talking about strictly black people? No, I'm talking about what people think of him in general. Well, I don't think, I, you know, you know, it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's just as far as me. I just I'm just talking strictly about you know what he said with the N word. I think he just totally blew an opportunity. No, but he's turned off white people as much as black people. I mean, we can't speak for a contingency of black people. Well, get them. But I'm just saying, even white fans have said I'm done. I'm done yeah, but I don't. You know I'm what? Calling using the N word, I think is worse than us not liking his morals. Like, oh, he fucked a married woman. Oh, what no, he said to Graziano. Like that he was, didn't do it to us, you know what I mean? Like it's it's. Dude, I think wishing ill on a paralyzed person is pretty bad too. All I don't of think it he, is he bad, didn't you know? wish ill. He said it was God's way. Well, that, that, oh well, he said you know that's what God wants. No, that, let's if we can get the quote, it was a little bit more harsh than that. I think me and you. Were it was God's it. will. I thought it was disgusting. It was yeah, absolutely disgusting. But I look overall, you know, Hogan, he just um, he blew a lot of opportunities. He blew a yeah. lot of opportunities. And um, 
you know, it's just a shame. It's a shame. I, I tell you, within the next two years, we'll see him at big event. We'll see him at Starcast. I'm sure. We will see him. He'll he'll go down, and you'll see his autograph prices go down. And you know, it's. I think it's at the beginning of that that you're going to start seeing him making a lot of appearances, as long as there's money attached to it. So, but anyway, before we go. Uh, I want to shout Zach Medris, uh, new returning patron. Okay. Everyone out there, patreon.com slash Don Tony. Tomorrow you're doing what? Dark Chronicles, right? No, K&T Chronicles. With, oh, yeah, uh, K&T. Sorry, Forza. Yeah, we, ch- we, ch- we changed the name. Uh, K&T with me and Trez, uh, 10, 15 regular time tomorrow on Discord for Patreon. Sign up today, tomorrow, as soon as you can. Yeah. Um, I will announce the winner of the Patreon Predictions Contest probably Wednesday. I have not checked the entries yet. By the time I put everything online yesterday, it was very late. I had to get up at 6 this morning, which was not fun. Um, Wednesday will be Wednesday Night Dynamite. Uh, Friday will be Don Tony Show. Saturday on Patreon, I'm going to do blah, 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 and it's going to be all live calls. Why this is a big deal is because we're going to basically work on the live calls thing. Did it with Mish on Saturday with some patrons, and it worked perfectly. So everyone look out for that. And uh, again, programming note next week, I will be on vacation from Thursday morning until Monday. So no Don Tony show next Friday. This Friday, yes. Next Friday, no. Um, So before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about Undertaker and talk about probably uh, it could be nothing. But I tell you, I think about it more and more. I think this is a very strong possibility. Undertaker, they had part four of the last ride yesterday. Yes. And um, we'll, you know, we comment on that in a minute. But after it was over, Shane McMahon was interviewed. And Shane McMahon was talking about the part four episode and everything and got on the subject of the Hell in a Cell match that he had with Undertaker recently. And Shane McMahon actually said in the interview that he actually feels he's got one more match, that Undertaker has one more match in him, and Shane McMahon challenges Undertaker to Hell in a Cell 2. Now, when I think Mm. of Undertaker's early career in the WWF, Undertaker was close with Shane McMahon. Yeah. Then they did the corporate ministry, and Shane McMahon and Undertaker worked together again. And when Undertaker did an interview last week and said that he knows he's going to go in the Hall of Fame, and he knows who he wants inducting him, and he hasn't told the person yet, and he doesn't want to say it publicly because he doesn't want to blow that person's spot. And I know everybody and their mother immediately thinks either Kane or Vince McMahon. And the more I think about it, even before Shane's interview yesterday, but the more I think about it, and especially after what I heard Shane said yesterday, I truthfully would not be surprised. In fact, I kind of almost put him as the favorite. I think Undertaker would want Shane McMahon to induct him in the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, I think Undertaker's last match could be against Shane McMahon. Because the one thing that Shane McMahon does that almost all opponents that Undertaker faces does not is Shane McMahon does not 
take Undertaker off his feet. We saw on the last ride, the part four yesterday, when Goldberg almost suplexed or, or you know, did his jackhammer thing onto Undertaker's neck. And I think of Shane McMahon's arsenal, and Shane McMahon does not do anything like that. You know, like, he doesn't, you don't see him scooping and slamming and things like that. So Shane McMahon would pretty much destroy his body to make Undertaker look like a million dollars. And I would not be surprised if Shane McMahon gets Undertaker's last match. I. What do you think about the idea of Hell in a Cell 2? Do you like it? Do you want to see it? And what did you think about part four of the last ride yesterday? Well, first of all, I like I like the idea, and if Taker's down to do it, and Shane is not your, again, it's Shane's not even really a wrestler, and he is, and he isn't at the same time, but he could put on as good a performance as anybody who's a main roster, regular wrestler for years. So you might as well consider Shane an, an in-ring talent instead of a part-time talent and a you know a, a really somewhat of an owner, a co-owner of this this whole company, a family member who owns the company. Uh, he's just a rare breed. So if Taker's down for it, I like to see it. Uh, as Taker's very last match, I guess so, because the Sting thing, I think, and I'd love to see that. I, I just, I don't know, Sting is 60 now. Uh, I don't know about that. But I guess, you know, thinking about it, anybody, probably Shane. He could probably pull it off. Why not? As far as part four goes, um, I loved it. I thought it was the best episode out of the four so far. I was Again, so happy that they yeah, spent I, time. By the way, the shirt I'm wearing today is a little tribute to the Blackheart Sports Entertainment Hotline. Since it was the anniversary of me starting this stuff, I wanted to pay a little tribute to Matt Zombie, Brian Damage, Timmy Austin, God rest his soul. You all know the ECW Zombie. Pulled one of my Blackheart Hotline shirts out of the uh, boxes, and I wore it tonight. But um, getting back to part four, uh, one thing that I wanted more than anything else in this documentary is a little tribute to Paul Barra. And we finally got a nice amount of it on part four. Yeah, I think that was, that was good. Uh, they showed the old clips, and I just thought that this was just uh, the best one they had. I just liked it from start to finish. Um, everything they did from going back retro, Taker being outside, showing him outside in the ring with the fans and people, you know, uh, seeing him in their early years, how he looked and talking about how he wore all black and how he kind of rocked the look outside to keep the mystique going, that he from day one was said, I'm going to be, you know, kayfabe dedicated to this character. You know, this, I'm going to be undertaker everywhere I go. I'm not going to let anybody see me without the undertaker, uh, you know, mystique, which, so I love that. I just totally love that total old school mentality. I think to this day he would have it if, if society allowed, but it's just not that way anymore with social media and everything being so intrusive and in your face and, you know, um, but I love, you know, he's just a guy, he's the, like the Clint Eastwood of wrestling. It's just, you know, cause some people try to, you know, Oh, you know, Undertaker, you know, even commenting on the shirts and hats he's wearing. Oh, it's very, you know, pro gun and pro Republican. I'm like, well, so who cares? The guys, uh, the guys, uh, uh, you know, masterful at what he does. One of the greatest of all time. Um, you know, forget politics, forget his personal stuff. Uh, as the Undertaker and what he's brought and what he's done for this company, he's the epitome of a loyal soldier. Stayed with this company when everybody else left. 
him and Sean were the only, but Sean Michaels, I'll say this because everyone always brings up Sean being around as long as Taker and he's been here loyal to Vince. No, no, no. Sean dipped out many times, went home, cry baby, go home, took his ball, went home, Austin too. Undertaker never did that to Vince. Uh, Taker was always a man about everything, never a fucking baby about anything, never selfish. Even you saw DT when he talked about the thing with the Conrad thing uh, that he brought oh, up. Oh, you know, I, I kind of forgot to cue the clip up. April 29, 2019, I came up on this show and told everybody word for word what went down. Some websites decided to make it a big news story. Undertaker said exactly what we all thought it was last year. Right. He thought he had person. booked. He, he did started doing things through an agency. Agency booked him for StarCast. Had no idea that AEW was, you know, circled around StarCast as well. And he had just signed a deal with WWE and Vince didn't want him on there. Business. Yeah, business. total business. But he also made it clear that he was never going to any other Fed, that he's a WWE yeah, guy. Yeah, and I don't think anybody, like I said, I, I'm pissed because I had the clip queued up to you play tonight. I mean, literally, word for word, you know, what he said is exactly what we said on the show April 29th of last year. It was nothing different. It was just, I don't think anybody ever thought it was these goofs that were saying, oh, Undertaker, Sean Biscari, he could go to AEW. Just like an right. Uso got arrested for DWI and he's trying to break his contract so he could go to AEW. And oh, this person wants to leave in. When his contract expires, he might go to AEW. And look, Adam Cole, Adam Cole, he's at a barbecue at AEW. His contract is up in three months. No, it's not. And he may go there. These are just goofs. That's why and I they were wrong. They were wrong. Every, right, and you're right. DT, every they time they're wrong. They're every, wrong. Time, every time, wrong. Every time. But getting back to part four. So, what'd you Fantastic. take of part four? Again, uh, you know, going back to that and Taker just being so, like I said, really letting you in uh, to to mark the the person. And again, uh, the more I see him with Michelle, the more I realize those two. Hopefully, they'll be. That's his third go round. I think this is the one. He finally found the right one for him, and hopefully, they're together for the rest of his days. Uh, it's their family. You see his daughter and. Uh, he even said they showed him going to Access with uh, Michelle and his daughter and taking part in Access is like a fan, like walking around being a fan. His daughter was doing the entrance and coming out with the belt, and it was fun to watch, to watch that. And even Mark said, Undertaker, that he never got to do that. He never, he goes, it sounds kind of silly, but I've never seen any of this stuff. He goes, I've never been to, I've been to Access at a table and signed autographs, but I never walked around and experienced this with Michelle. He goes, I've never seen some of this stuff before. So that's, I'm sure people are like, how is that possible? And to turn yeah. around and just, sorry, I'm actually yeah. going to queue up that segment when you, when you're done. Yeah. I just, yeah, so he said, yeah, so no problem. So he says, uh, you know, the, so it was fun. He was in his own company that he's with for 30 years, never got to see some of this uh, memorabilia and stuff that's uh, out there at fan access. So, uh, but then he said he always wants to be on the card that he felt weird when he's not on the card. And you see people backstage coming, and everyone wants to talk to him. And again, he's he's the Clint Eastwood. He he's the guy. He's the he was even joking. He feels like the Godfather while sitting there, and everybody from the Miz to uh, uh, you know Zack Ryder, and everyone's kind of waiting behind each other to come shake his hand. He's he's the fucking goat, man. He's the fucking goat. You can say Ric Flair is, but to me, Undertaker is. He's the because Ric Flair's well, been around longer with titles, but Taker has that respect. That respect that is just for so very few guys in this business. To me, you know? Paul Four was all around Goldberg almost breaking. But he neck. didn't he didn't take a shot. But you know what's funny? DT 
Taker seemed to, you know, uh, he didn't take any shots at Goldberg. No, no, it wasn't that. It was just when Michelle McCool saw that and talked about how Undertaker, you know, was talking about his back and he never, like, talks about pain or anything like that, that he realized that, you know, this was much more serious. I mean, he escaped. He dodged a bullet. But that was something that made him think twice as far as his future. Um, That move that Goldberg hit him with, again, he was very respectful about Goldberg. You're right. He was. He was. That move pretty much, I think, was the turning point as far as, you know, going forward with his career. I think I'd be shocked if he has more than three more matches. I don't even know if he'll have three. But I agree. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, just to close it out for me, it, it was great. Guys, go watch it if you haven't watched it. Even if you're not the, even my brother Draper is not the biggest Undertaker fan, but uh, he enjoys these documentaries. And I think there's anybody, again, who knows what Undertaker means to the business. He doesn't have to be in your top ten or one of your favorites, but you definitely have respect for him if you're a diehard wrestling fan, and you'll enjoy this stuff. And you'll see the man behind the scenes. It's hard not to walk away saying, "Yeah, he's a cool motherfucker." This guy. I mean, he's not one of my guys, but he's he's cool. And it's a great documentary. It's done well. And uh, he's very candid. He's not being PC or anything. It's what you see is what you get. And uh, this guy, to me, is the goat of wrestling. In my Absolutely. Um, now, about the what he said about the AEW stuff and the StarCast, I have it over here. Um, I'm sorry I don't have the individual clip, so I had to fast-forward this a little bit. But I'm going to share with everybody exactly what was said on this show April 29th of last year. And um, again, when you hear this, you hear what Undertaker said, I don't know why websites were trying to turn it into a big news story, but this is what we said on April 29th of last year. Eventually, a tweet will come up from him. And it'll- some stuff like that. I don't even remember why we had her on, but it had to be... And we were talking about Trina Michaels, so it's right after. Five, six years ago? Yeah, maybe? she listened to the show. Yeah, Trina Michael. She was cool. She was nice. I've seen some of her films. Good actress. Yeah. yeah. So, so to speak. Um, we were talking yeah. earlier about Dean Malenko not making, uh, you know, that he's going to make StarCast. He's done for WWE. Three people that will not be appearing at StarCast. Well, Terry yeah. Funk, because he's still mourning the loss of his wife. Yeah, uh, but also Undertaker and Kurt Angle have been pulled from StarCast. I don't know why this is such a shock to people out there. You know, they, they're uh, Undertaker's signed a new deal with WWE and you know they feel that All right, with StarCast guys. even though I just realized they can't hear it <laughs> they can't oh, hear God. it because oh. the way I have it um, set up over here I can't play the audio so uh, I'll just tell everybody this if you there go you to go. April 29 2019 show hour and 23rd minute mark I'll play it Friday for everybody out there so for, for the Don Tony haters out there, I'm sure you're all kind of happy that uh, I couldn't play it. I, f- I forgot when I, when did, again, this is what happens. I have all the audio because of the other laptop all going out through the mixer. I can't pipe in audio from the computer at the same time. I dedicate well, how'd you, all. How did you do it with, uh, cr- when you put the cross clip up? I use my mixer board. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's all inputted through my mixer board. So, sorry, everybody. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But uh, I'll share it Friday. But, Lisa, before we go, I got to share this with with everybody because I don't know how everybody feels about it. I thought it was pretty stupid. 
And if they do go this route, I think it's even stupider. Did you hear the rumors about what some websites are claiming might have been the driver of the car that hit Elias and also set up Jeff Hardy? No, actually, that's be news to me. I didn't hear anything. There's some websites out there that are claiming that Mm -hmm. WWE may, in fact, have Sami Zayn be the driver of the car, and they bring up because he has red hair and a red beard because Mm -hmm. the officer said it was red hair and a red beard. Yeah, that's true. Now, well, I decided to take it upon myself to go pull recent, not year ago, two years ago, but recent pictures of Sami Zayn with the uh, Intercontinental Championship. And then I pulled up Sheamus. And for everyone out there right now, when you look at this, and in fact, I'm even going to show close up. I'm sorry, that does not look like red. All right. The left side of the logo for this show and the the script hosted by, that's red. I look at this, this is like brown. If you look at the hair, and for people out there that think, oh, maybe that's just a bad photo, all right, that does not look like red, red, or even orange. Okay, I'm going to show you. Now, you, you look at this, all right, and then you look at this. And again, you look at this back to back. If if Sami Zayn was driving a car, look at that hair. If Sami Zayn was driving that car and just driving past in a normal speed and hit someone, and I'm talking storyline right now. You mean to tell me that you would turn around and say it's somebody with red hair and a red beard? Um, you look at Sheamus's hair, and then you look at Sami Zayn's hair. It's it's not even close. It's not even close. I I think, look, the storyline itself, I wouldn't mind Sami Zayn coming back and maybe going at it with Jeff Hardy. <coughs> that might be very interesting, especially since there's no titles involved. But I think that's a stretch, man. I mean, Sami Zayn, it's like burnt. You know what I mean? It's like brownish, like uh, little little tones here and there. That's not fucking red or orange. You look at Sheamus and then you look at Sami Zayn. I mean, I could have put up even more photos, but, um, you know, I just, I, I look, I figured I'd share with everyone because I know this is becoming a big conversation piece for a lot of people online. But, uh, hey, you know, we'll see what happens. There's obviously got to be a twist to this story. Um, it's still pretty stupid that somebody doesn't get arrested for you know committing vehicular assault but uh whatever whatever (laughs) um anything else you want to cover before we get out of here no once again uh please sign up for our patreon uh join us tomorrow for knt at 10 15 it's a great show you'll enjoy it get breakfast soup castle chronicles we have a lot of fun especially on the live chat five bucks sign up today and thanks to everybody on discord thank you youtube thank you dt and i'm out All right. Sounds good. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace, bro. All right. All right, everybody. Uh, Before we go, Anthony Diaz sent a fuck, marry, kill. I always don't mind answering these, even though these are quite out there. But see, 
Bruce Pritchard, Bobby Lashley, and the large brother Ninja. Um, I don't even know what this is directed to, but I, I'm i not into M&Ms with peanuts, so I don't even know how to answer this one. You know, I'm, I'm a heterosexual, so I kind of like preferred answers, but if I was a woman or if I was uh, gay and you gave me these names, I would probably kill... Um, wow, I'd probably kill a ninja, Brother Ninja, because... Number one, he hasn't made it in WWE yet, so he probably ain't got major cash, as far as I know. Um, Bobby Lashley, you know, he's military guy, stand up. I I would think any person would probably love to to uh, you know be with him with his physique. And Bruce Prichard, you just marry him for his money. So you know, again, you know, it's look. He I I will answer pretty much anything, especially if you do a super chat. I definitely owe it to you to answer that. But uh, yeah, that's kind of out there. Marion Ninja, right? Marion Ninja. Hell no, Marion Ninja. And you know, as we're doing this, my fiance tells me with the most random comment. I really can't. Well, actually, I can show it to you because her last name is not on here. But this is just shows you the type of text messages I get late at night. I don't know if you could see this, but it says. Did, did I know that both my fiance and I were both married, uh, both born on Thursdays? That's what I get at 12.57 a.m. So, AMJ, yes, I have some gay friends. Uh, one of my closest friends um, is gay, and uh, I actually go back with him since we were like 12 years old. In fact, he originally dated women, only women, and then... He went by and then he revealed later on that, you know, he was gay, but I think was always afraid to let it come out. And he he dated women for a couple of years. Also, this girl that I used to be involved with, um, her husband had left her for another man. And we were actually friends with her husband. So um, I have a few people, a few people that are gay. In fact, I've told this before. I went to a wedding in my family uh, about four or five years ago. And um, my cousin, she married a girl. And the funny thing is, is when I went to the wedding, like I was just really curious to see some of my relatives, especially the older ones, how they were going to handle going to a gay wedding. Like I just imagine what people could possibly say like, who's the husband and who's the wife, you know, when they, when they do like that. But I tell you, man, it was a cool wedding. Nobody felt out of place. It was just wonderful. It does just the truth. I mean, unfortunately lying, it's probably not like a crazy story. You know, I'm not going to exaggerate it. So it, it is just a very bland story, but it's true. It is the truth. So, yeah, AMG, some old school Italians. You'd be very surprised what some people will say. Um, yeah, they were very creative with the with the words that you used to use back then. Um, clown, can I drink alcohol on keto? Yes, uh, as long as it's not sweet. Like, I could have vodka. Um, I actually have this sugar-free margarita mix that's mixed with stevia. And I actually could have tequila with it. You mix it together, and it tastes actually pretty good. So, but look... Um, we're at an hour, 54 minutes. It's not fair for me to stay on when my co-host left. So I'm going to get out of here, but I want to invite everyone Friday. Um, 
We're going to cover SmackDown. We're going to cover any other news that breaks between now and then. I'll play that little clip for the DTK, uh, DT haters out there, you know, from April of last year. But we're going to do a hell of a lot of Q&A. So you could ask me pretty much anything. Um, so if you want to come by Friday, right after SmackDown, I will be up here. And don't forget Wednesday. I'll also be up here uh, for Wednesday Night Dynamite. We'll cover AEW. We'll cover NXT. I heard AEW has 11 dark matches scheduled for tomorrow. To me, that's way overkill. Especially when you play guess the winner. You know, those matches are so fucking predictable. It's not even funny. But, um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Um, John Dillinger, would I ever do a festival event with, with Eastern Championship Wrestling? I don't even know what you mean by that. Listen, the reason why I don't want this to go over two hours is because YouTube takes like 45 minutes to process. And I stay up and I wait because I have to download the finished product and put up a commercial free version for our patrons. So when the show is, it's 1 a.m. here right now, I'm not going to sleep till like 3, 3.30 minimum. And I got to get up at 6. So it's better for me to jet out here now. So this way YouTube has it up. As long as you stay under two hours, everything is up there. But um, again, don't forget, Wednesday I'll be here. Friday I'll be here. And for Patreon, I will be, Saturday, we'll be taking calls. Saturday's going to be all calls. Call in, talk to yours truly. We'll have some fun discussion. And uh, I expect to start calls here for all of you uh, for Wednesday and Friday shows in about two weeks. Not next week, but the following week. Going to start taking calls on Wednesday and Friday. Um, I think we'll have a lot of fun. The way I'm setting it up is going to be very professional. You know, we'll have screening so that we don't have to worry about, you know, trolls coming in. Anthony, I don't have it set up right now. I, I would love to have you on right now, but I don't have it set up, to be honest with you. But Anthony, you're a patron. So Saturday, you could you could call in. So, you know, we'll do it Saturday. And then, like I said, in about two weeks, we'll have it online. So everyone, I'm in a jet. Much love as always. Before you leave, if you enjoyed the show, hit the thumbs up. If you enjoyed the channel, subscribe. I want to get to 15,000. I want to do it organically. I know there's a lot of other people. You ever notice people out there that have like 80,000 followers and their shows only get like 600 views? You could pretty much figure out that 95% of the audience are bots. I don't want bots. I want Donzilla Army out there. So, all right, everybody. I'm out of here. Take care. All the best. Much love. I'll catch you all again Wednesday. Wednesday Night Dynamite. Ciao. Son, oh my. It was fun to channel surf. It was kind of hard to do a little pocket pool after you hitting the last channel button 50 times for two hours plus. Son, oh my. And his whole idea of overanalyzing, oh, he's an alcoholic and he misplaced the belt. And how could you have someone champion like that? The fuck out of here. Wednesday night. Don, oh my. You can have fun. You really are. <laughs> I'm enrolling in Medicare soon, and it had me a little confused. Then I found MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, I could go online and compare Medicare Advantage plans from some top-rated national insurers, including $0 monthly premium plans. I can learn about plans in my area and talk with a licensed insurance agent if needed. MyHealthPolicy.com has made doing my research a whole lot easier. 
My Choice, My Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com. New to Medicare? Start now. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about some of the top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. If you're thinking about a Medicare Advantage plan, MyHealthPolicy.com is a great place to go to find a plan that meets your needs. Learn more about your options. Even talk with a licensed insurance agent. MyHealthPolicy.com.